Susie. And I'm Lisa, and this is The Coaching Cast. We're the no-nonsense podcast, chatting about the things impacting you at work right now, helping you to survive and thrive in today's ever-changing workplace. We discuss different topics each episode, sharing our ideas, hints, and top tips from our experiences of working in the corporate world, running our own businesses, and also being qualified coaches. We try to have a few laughs along the way too. We hope you enjoy listening. In today's episode, we're discussing how to manage a toxic boss alongside sharing our top tips. So stay with us and enjoy. before we get into our brand new episode for this season Lisa how have you been how's your summer been it has been great I've had a great time it's been a blur which I'm pretty certain all of us have felt that way all all people whether you've got children or not whether you had to deal with summer holidays with children off school or not which is the camp I'm in I'm sure many of us have felt like it was a blur because the weather was great and I'm sure like everyone else, we tried to make the most of it, especially after the last couple of years where, you know, we've all been like buttoned down in our houses and we were stuck in dealing with restrictions. Although actually, I suppose technically that's not true. 2020 and 2021, we did actually get to enjoy some form of summer, but it was just slightly subdued. Whereas this year felt like first year of having a summer that was back to normal and as I said the weather was glorious so yeah no it was great I climbed a mountain I did swimming in the sea I ran around woods you know wow my energy and my limits knew no bounds so yeah I Check caught me out. Bear Grylls call me Bear Grylls oh my god you could be like on the new episode of what's it SAS who dares wins with all of that activity my goodness that is like next level I certainly have not been doing any of that I don't know whether I'd be SAS. I mean, that is tough. I have watched it and me and my husband always watch it going, do you think you could do that? Yeah, I think I could do that. I think it's like anything. That looks really easy. I'm pretty certain it's not. (laughs) I mean, I say easy. Easy is, you know, I don't literally look at it like it was easy. The bit that always gets me that I'm like, I could never do that. Actually, there's two things. One, I couldn't run long distances in a heavy boot. Yeah. I don't get that. I I mean, your feet, how does that work? I have to have a well-supported cushioned shoe. I can't run a short distance in any form of footwear, so I would be absolutely screwed. I don't know how. Someone, <laughs> if anyone is aware, listeners, if there's any of you who are ex-military, or if you generally work out in a military style, please do email us at hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk and let us understand the logistics and practicalities of running in a heavy boot. Because... I don't get that. I don't think I could do it. That's number one. Number two, I can't do a press-up. Oh, Now, that is a prerequisite for any form of military-style activity, especially because you get punished and you have to do the (laughs) press-ups. So did did you ever watch the celebrity version of SAS, Are You Tough Enough, that had Katie Price on it? No, I didn't watch that one. Right, well, I urge you to try and find some clips because... She, let's just say she wasn't particularly successful I think that would be me but even I think Katie Price managed to press up it is one of my goals in life is to do a full-on you know full male version of a press up 
Wow. That for me is the epitome of strength. That and being able to do monkey bars. Yeah, I can do a press up. I can actually do a press up. But oh, Sue's my Sorry. Hearing. But I cannot do a monkey bar situation. Like a pull up. Like a pull up. No my, way. My arms are not strong enough to Same. lift what sits below. My bottom half. I'm like a I'm like a I'm like a bowling pin. You know, that you know the pins you get in a bowling alley. You know, that is me, all bottom heavy. So no chance. I can't lift the bottom level. I can't lift any level of myself. <laughs> I can't lift any level. So yeah, so there's there's still a bit of work to do. There's still a bit of work to do. Aww. How was how was your summer then? If you weren't swimming in the sea, climbing mountains, running through forests like me, what have you been doing? Well, I have been in the midst of potty training. Oh, good God. Not myself. That has been complete many years ago. <laughs> Just for clarity. Just so. for clarity for our listeners. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've been potty training my son, um, which I'll be honest, took me by surprise because like one day he, I was kind of like, I was really chilled about it. And I was like, I'm not going to like start it until he's ready, you know, etc. And then one day he was just sat on the sofa. It was a Thursday morning and it was like the start of the school holidays. And I remember he just said, I don't want to wear my nappy anymore. And I was like, what? And he was like, I don't want to wear my nappy anymore. And I was like, okay, like this is a sign I can't ignore. Mm. But one, I don't have any of the gear. And I also have no idea how to do this now. Like I should have really thought about this before, but he took me totally by surprise. So off we went on our journey of potty training, of which it is still a work in progress and is quite a long journey from what I've kind of read and spoken to. Um, so, yeah, we've had a few accidents along the way. So I've mainly, my summers mainly consisted of kind of being like, do you need to go to the toilet? Do you need a wee? Do you need to go to the toilet? Like a million times. <laughs> and making sure I've either got a potty in the near vicinity in the boot of my car that there's a toilet nearby or I at least have like 20 million pairs of changes of clothes just in case <laughs> we get a code red which we've had a few times do you mean code brown um, or a code brown which we have <laughs> yes. absolutely had um so yeah it's been quite intense but he's doing very well like but it took me by surprise I wasn't prepared for it I didn't have any of the gear and I still have no idea really what I'm doing um and yeah there's just been kind of like a few outdoor situations where it's hard because you've got to also train it because I'm kind of like oh you can like when we're outside and there isn't a toilet nearby I'm like oh we can go to this like bush over here yeah, or whatever. Yeah. and they get so confused they're like what are you talking about why a minute ago you were asking me to wee like in the toilet in the potty inside and now all of a sudden you want me to kind of wee in a bush what how <laughs> like mixed messages mum I don't get it what I still can't I still can't effectively wee in a bush <laughs> like I'm 38 and I cannot squat for like at all it's a real it's a real it's a real lack in my skill set I feel like my skill set has this like huge gap I cannot squat so when we were in Africa this year on safari yes I'm one of those twats um I needed the toilet and we'd stopped and they were serving us this this story gets even more middle class and privileged right I apologize in advance right I went on a safari in Africa yeah I was very lucky it was cool it was a sort of safari, my kind of safari, where they set up a lunch halfway through and give you a load of alcohol and you just oh. admire the animals. Yep, yeah, sorry, that's me. Yeah. Anyway, 
obviously they didn't provide a portaloo you know it wasn't that high end you know they were trying to keep in line with nature and trying to respect the nature so they picked a tree that we could go and pee behind um yeah, you know they gave you toilet roll that was nice but oh. you know the whole what so I stalk over to this tree and I'm thinking oh god like this could go wrong on so many levels one some dangerous creature comes stalking out of a bush and attacks me while I'm trying to take a pee I mean what a way to go take put I mean, that on put that on the obituary um, imagine having put that on our Instagram page yeah like, sorry Lisa got like speared by a warthog while she took a pee in Zambia I mean it, it'd be the sort of story people probably wouldn't believe but anyway <laughs> so I had that fear the other fear which was actually a lot more prominent surprisingly was am I actually now going to pee all over myself and then go and have to sit and have my lunch with this beautiful view with the rest of the safari team looking at me going why has she got a wet leg like can I smell wee? yeah I mean like... thankfully out in the wild there were a lot of smells of wee and poo because there's animals oh, everywhere but so maybe true. I could have blended but I mean you know me sitting there in soggy pants wouldn't have been particularly good so what I have to do and so this could also have been an embarrassing this could be the third thing that could have gone wrong what I had to do and this is what I always have to do when I squat is take off my shoes my socks my trousers or whatever form of underwear um, lower wear I've got and my pants and then I pee and then I have to put all of this stuff back on again I mean, wow. Because otherwise I'd be all over my clothes. So the third thing that could have gone wrong <laughs> and I was getting worried about was what if someone walks over here and I'm completely lower half butt naked? I mean, that was the other worry. Or fourth worry, what happens while I'm trying to put the trousers back on? I do it in such a rush that I trip over and then I fall out of the tree if that makes sense like out of the cover of the tree and oh then my. these group of people are just watching me sprawled over on the floor so you know it's a very stressful situation but I, I mean you know hopefully that will comfort Arthur you can tell him auntie Lisa still can't pee behind a bush so he's doing fine he's only yeah three. I mean that is a lot of worry in one situation and a lot to kind of yeah take into account there my goodness but what I will say is I peed successfully I think I did pee on my train by accident, but no one noticed that. And I didn't fall over. And I also didn't get speared by a warthog. So it was all fine. Thank goodness for that. Well, we also um, went on a little trip, didn't we, together? We did. In the summer. Yes. In which the didn't involve any peeing um, behind trees. Or dangerous animals. Or dangerous animals. Um, and, well, actually, we've been on two trips this summer together. Oh, yeah, haven't we? Have. we? Yeah, we have. We, well, because we did the Pop British Podcast Awards. We did. And we had a London jolly, which I think we spoke about, actually, before we finished season five. I think we did, but we hadn't actually been at that point. So oh. I think we were um, going the following week. You're right, actually. Um. So, yeah, we went on a jolly to London. It was an amazing, fun event. We met some really cool people in yeah. the podcasting world. Yeah, we um, did. Who shout out to um, a couple of people. So Fiona... Uh, yep. Fiona out. Fraser, Fiona ben, Fraser, Benji Potter, Benji Potter, Celeb, absolutely celeb podcast booker. Um, so that was really cool, and we also met Kate as well. We who, did Kate Chaundy, um, yeah, who co-host, uh, co-host. Sorry, she hosts her own podcast. Yeah, um, yeah, is really really interesting, and I've shouted it out a few times on our 
LinkedIn page yeah, because yeah. the premise behind it for any CBBs who are interested is she interviews really cool people um, who have really cool jobs and yep. you get to hear all about behind the scenes and uh, what they do. It's called um, Work Actually Pod. You can yes. find it on Apple and Spotify. It's very good. Um, so brilliant set of people we met on that event Lisa and I then went out for a jolly obviously uh had a really fun time uh, and day or so in London and then we met again up north because Lisa's um tour of the UK continued um <laughs> and you came up north didn't you I did yeah we met up in Dele- Delamere Forest I've never Delamere been there in Forest. Cheshire it was lovely yeah um so there was no wean behind trees unfortunately no. for anyone no. but <laughs> if I'd known that story I, that would have could maybe have been a slightly different situation but um that was really fun so yeah we've been caught up a few times over the summer we've had some potty training um we've had some swimming we've had some walking in woods it feels like it's been a very intense outdoor-based summer been hectic but we're back <laughs> we're back for season six of the we're back. Yeah. yeah so on that note should we get cracking with today's episode on toxic bosses let's go over the summer we did an instagram poll to understand what urcbbs would like us to talk about in this season of the coaching cast One of the most popular responses was dealing with toxic bosses. So you asked and we have delivered. The truth is people don't leave bad jobs. They leave because of bad bosses and poor management who often don't appreciate their value. It is common for there to be a bit of tension in a management relationship. There is often in any relationship But what if the manager goes beyond the scope of their authority and exhibits toxic behaviours? How do you spot this and how do you best handle it? So, Lisa, what would you say are the signs of a toxic boss? I think the word toxic is very subjective and I think all of us will have different interpretations of what that means when we relate it to people so I think you're going to have for me like the obvious signs of a toxic box boss maybe the more like you know quite severe cases of toxicity like bullying um or an individual being really disrespectful even discriminatory potentially unethical and immoral you're going to have all of those in levels of a toxic boss but I think for me, more common, and definitely in my experience, has been the more subtle demonstrations of toxicity. So, mm. for example, a boss who is who doesn't listen to you, a boss who may not listen to you but favoritizes other people around you and in your team and makes that very known, very obvious and really sort of leads to you feeling quite dismissed. Um, And I think that then will play into you feeling unappreciated, undervalued. So I think, as I said, you're going to get more of those subtle notions. So I was also thinking about how other demonstrations of toxicity can also be actually 
a boss who doesn't support you. So doesn't support you in your decisions, doesn't support you in your work, doesn't, isn't encouraging, potentially, I think, sets unrealistic expectations and deadlines of you. So if anything, kind of consistently sets you up to fail. Yeah. And then really then holds you in that space. And that's where they, you know, will make their decisions about you. Yeah. Based on. So they kind of don't set you up to be successful and then they criticize you for it. Um, And potentially where they themselves, I suppose, abuse their authoritative position, Mm. you know, and use it as a way where do you know what they can be very dictatorial they'll tell you and tell others but they won't take any accountability themselves um and then I think that kind of all then feeds into that whole highly likely I would say to have very low emotional intelligence very low self-awareness and I think that's one of the the spaces where that toxicity really can get out of control for an individual where they've got that really low self-awareness really low emotional intelligence towards themselves but then obviously towards others that toxicity just gets worse and worse it escalates because that for me is the starting foundation and if you're not aware of yourself and aware of other people you probably won't be aware of a hell of a lot of things yeah Um, absolutely and just creating damage wherever you wherever you go yeah yeah no that's an interesting word you use there damage because I think that in my experience of being in a toxic working environment definitely runs true because I think just picking up on something you said there about that power and control element Mm. I think that's if somebody has some of those toxic traits that we're talking about here that power and control and that need to dictate can be really strong yeah yeah. and then equally they then don't hold themselves accountable in that manner like they just hold everybody else accountable and to that level um and that can be incredibly demoralizing to work in and it shatters self-confidence and Mm. self-belief because you're always being put to your point like put into a situation where it's very hard to succeed and do well in the you know, up front because, you know, there's unrealistic expectations, there's impossible deadlines, mm. there's pressure, you know, they're not all the things that are conducive to a working environment which helps people thrive and yeah. be, bring their best yeah. to do their best job and best work. Exactly. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. And I think it's, in. yeah, and I think it's in those spaces where, you know, anxiety is high fear is high there's a real lack of trust and I think anyone who is in that very authoritative position where they have so much control and so much influence it spreads so quickly um and whole teams then can be contaminated with that and I've definitely worked in in teams in that sort of space where actually no one trusts anybody it's Um, horrible and the toxicity just it's everywhere it's so horrible. It is yeah. extremely horrible. You get that real that they're the moments when you literally are dreading going into work. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And it consumes you, I think. Like you have that Sunday night dread, but oh, you have God. that Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. You know, it it carries on throughout 
the week it carries on through different moments in your day like going into that one-to-one or going into that meeting and thinking Mm. this is going to be horrible like Mm. I know it is Mm. um it's horrible so if you had an experience with a toxic boss yeah absolutely (laughs) um yeah I have like hugely so who I feel like just ticks so many of these boxes it's it's quite remarkable actually maybe that's what I was basing it on um yeah so not long in my career in London I worked with an individual so they were my boss and it was this sort of very she had clear favorites I've had to I've called her she it should be them but I've bugger it I've done it now she had very clear favorites I never felt like one of them and she especially favoritized men over females so the team actually was fairly equally balanced male to female but it was the males she favoritized so the males were celebrated those were the individuals that she uh, praised publicly that she supported in their development their progression they were the ones who got given the opportunities and actually what was even more complicated though actually for me wasn't actually just about gender there was one of the females out of the three of us there were three girls in this team who she really liked but just one (laughs) so and again that wasn't me so it was it was very difficult at times because that was so apparent the favoritism um and actually it was quite um I found it quite challenging as well because she she didn't just demonstrate her authority in the workplace because she insisted on being socially engaged and friendly with her favorites outside of the workplace which then always created this other layer of I don't know what the word is really, but just made it a lot more challenging because it wasn't that there was just favourites. There then were in jokes. And then there was this, you never really knew, like work for me then never stopped in the office. It wasn't about, because then I didn't know about how she was um, behaving outside of work because the amount of time she then spent socially with other people. So then that whole feeling left out and the lack of inclusivity then kind of escalated because I wasn't then involved outside of work either. Um, So I felt isolated in my job, but then I got made to feel even more isolated outside. Um, And she, one of the things I didn't talk about with toxic bosses, but actually it's so relevant to this individual was their unpredictability Mm. and I do think that is um a a sort of a thread of toxicity is when actually the individual you're you're dealing with is inconsistent um in their behaviors their decisions I mean any of it really and this individual was 100% inconsistent so one you actually never knew when they were going to be in the office that always slightly unhinged me because I didn't know what I was going to face into every time I went into into work now admittedly now that isn't so much of a challenge because we are working remotely but I think you could still have that element of uncertainty because you don't know where this person is what they're doing 
because she wasn't transparent either. So then that obviously, I suppose this then feeds down into she wasn't transparent, she wasn't honest, she wasn't open. It didn't encourage any of us in the team to be either. Yeah. And then because she was very guarded, I mean, she would even talk in this, like when she shared things with you, it didn't even have to be anything like untoward, but she made everything she was telling you sound like a secret, like it was privileged information <laughs> um, and you never got the full story of anything. Um, oh it was goodness. it was very bizarre. Um, so then it kind of meant everyone else then emulated that same yeah. behavior. And there was this lack of trust and transparency amongst all the team. Um, but yeah, this consistency was difficult, which meant that some days this this individual, my boss, was really nice. And that would be disconcerting. Like she would ask you actually quite nice questions and seem curious about you and your life and what you were doing but in the next breath she could be absolutely yelling her head off at you so it it was very I found it very emotionally draining I found yeah it, and I found it very manipulative as well so the hell of a roller coaster when yeah. I think somebody has that capacity and I've been in that situation as well where somebody has that capacity just to change within an instant and mm you are suddenly you thought you were here talking about this thing yeah. and this was the view this was the take this is the situation and then all of a sudden you find yourself actually I'm, we're talking about this over there and it's totally different and yeah we're not this is not the my understanding this is completely completely different it's a hell of a roller coaster so for navigate. example just to try and bring this to life a bit more this individual could come and sit down at your desk ask you how your weekend was have this whole conversation about that weekend, move over to her desk, which was diagonally opposite. And that conversation you were having about your weekend may have continued with your colleagues sat next to you. And then she'd have a go at you for not doing any work and talking about your weekend. Yeah, yeah. So that was, that was yeah. the sort of thing she would do. Mm. And you'd be like, oh, okay, I'm being told off now. Which even as an adult, adult to adult, when you're being told off like that is really quite demeaning anyway because you're an adult you're not a teacher in a school classroom do you know what I mean that relationship yeah. when people insist on talking to you like you're a 12 year old is quite demeaning but the fact was she'd started the conversation Gosh. and um had been interested and seemed to be having really enjoyable pleasantries but then as soon as you continued it past her leaving the conversation you're now getting told off for that it was very bizarre um and it escalated to the point where, you know, I had a review with her and because of this never really knowing where I stood, her lack of transparency, her inconsistency, mm. her favouritism, you can imagine that when it then came down to having an honest, honest in inverted commas review about my performance, I mean, I had no idea what to expect. Uh, and then when she proceeded to tell me that she didn't think I was doing a very good job and that I wouldn't pass my probation out of nowhere, um, I was taken aback and she, you know, she didn't have that emotional intelligence. She didn't have that self-awareness. She didn't have, in my opinion, any sort of awareness of actually just how you lead effectively and how you just be decent as a human being to other people, actually. Mm. Um, you know, she just continued for me just to like escalate that lack of trust that there was, because there wasn't one. We didn't have a relationship, mm. quite frankly. Um, yeah. But yeah, she was very much a he said, she said individual. She liked to pitch people against others. It was very sadist in that way. And it was yeah. all to protect herself. 
Exactly. I, like I know that deep down. I know that now. I actually felt deeply sorry for her um, in the end because I thought, you know what? You've got so many insecurities. You've got such a lack of confidence. You actually don't have any meaningful relationships. So, I mean, clearly because you you're incapable of making it if that's the approach you take. But yeah. I was like, the way you behave is all about control. It's all it, it was bullying. It was like it was a fear piece and keeping everyone in their place to protect herself, if you like. Yeah. And when you're in it, it's so hard to come out of it to be able to think objectively oh, my like goodness. that. Especially, I mean, I was a young 20 yeah. year old. Um, you know, I was really green and, you know, yeah. she is an adult to me challenging going back to something you talked there about the creating this kind of air of secrecy I'll just share this story because the worst it plays into that so if you this is quite a long time ago probably in the early start of my corporate career um I worked in a team that was which was predominantly female and there was a job a role that came up within this team which was a promotion and there were a number of us applying for this role myself included Mm. And um, the line manager, who was our current line manager at the time, was recruiting for this role. And and they um, demonstrated like a lot of these toxic behaviours on a daily basis that we're talking about here. So the need to control, the kind of um, need of power, some unrealistic expectations, etc., but I'll never forget it. I was sat at my desk and they came over to me and they gave me like a little handwritten note, like on a piece of paper, which they'd folded up into like a square. Okay. Oh, good God. So they gave me that. They then went around, like we were sat on a bank of desks. They then went around and handed another like piece of paper folded up in a square to like this person and then to that person. And on it was the title of the presentation we had to prepare for our interview. And I just remember at that time thinking, one, you are totally weird. And two, like you've created now this element of secrecy around it that's just unnecessary, unneeded, not nice actually, because we all work in the same team. Like we were peers, some of us were friends and the way you've now handled the situation is like horrible. And we went through like the interview process. I actually ended up getting the job and like when, and I got promoted within that team. And I know that there was people around at that time who weren't particularly like, happy or comfortable with that because they'd missed out but I think it was made worse by the fact that she'd like created this element of toxicity within our culture and within Mm. the workplace that we were operating in and this kind of secret note passing was just ridiculous and added to it yeah that element of secrecy like I totally get and it's so weird how that can come to the fore how that actually can kind of come to life when you when somebody's thinking in that way yeah I think the problem is is that like it we're human beings who deep down number one is is one of our uh, instincts is to protect ourselves and we do that even more so when we don't have all of the information and when there are gaps in our knowledge of anything we fill them because that's the way our brains work because you know most of us are highly intelligent and uh, we will try and jump to preempt what's going to happen so if you create secrecy in anything 
our brains go into overdrive because there's something we don't know. So we will go to try and fill in our heads what that could be to prepare ourselves in a, in a way to protect ourselves should we have to. And so inevitably that does go to the worst case scenarios we can all think of. You'll only go to a negative place. It's highly likely you'll jump to a positive place first. Yeah. And, and that's why it's so toxic when people do things like that, because you're immediately making everyone jump to protect themselves put them on edge because they're you know the adrenaline is yeah. going you're getting ready to go and you'll go to negativity because you'll go worst case scenario and I just think why would you want to create that because it's such a waste of everyone's energy like it drains everybody and it can really like unsettle everybody and I just don't know why anyone out there even if you're bloody thinking of trying it don't it's just the worst thing I think you can do when you're trying to create a really effective efficient work environment for anybody it's just don't do shit like yeah. that it's weird and also tell you the other thing it's so bloody immature and it plays into that awful space that many of us will have memories of a kid in a classroom and someone passes a note you'll go back into a childlike state because that's the stupid mm. stuff we did as kids but that's where bullying was prolific when people were growing up. Exactly. And actually, you have to be careful with that as adults because we all carry that stuff still. If anyone was really badly bullied, that never leaves you as an adult. You know, it stays Completely. with you. So, like, it's just don't do weird shit like that. And don't do it as a test of some sort of, like, resilience or capability or professionalism. It's just shit. Don't do it. <laughs> I know. It was so odd. I remember just being, like, flummoxed by the fact that it actually happened. I was like, yeah. what? I don't get it. Like, I just <laughs> generally don't. Just send me an email. Tell me. Or yeah. uh, you don't need to write me a handwritten note with a title <laughs> on it. Fold it into, like, a million, like, squares. It was weird. It was just weird. So, um, but, but you've got the promotion. Needed. You've got the promotion. So... How did you handle that situation when it happened? And how did you ensure that actually it didn't stop you from getting a job? What did you do? I can't really remember if I'm totally honest. I think I remember just being like, thanks. And we, I think I made a, I think I made a joke about it. I think I laughed about it, mm. like with the other people around me and the team to try and bring everybody in. Like, this is what it is. Do, do not worry. Like we're not passing secrets around about yeah. people who aren't you know in like putting an application in I think I I think I did that from memory mm. and I just glossed over it and didn't really make it like a thing of it that's not to say that people deep down didn't think it was a thing yeah. to your point before um but I think there's something around that about that that kind of like boundary crossing as well and I also remember another instance where I didn't work for this particular person, but I worked in a team with this person. So they were kind of like my peer mm. and they had a team themselves and they were incredibly toxic in some of their traits and some of their um, things that they did. And it was well known within the team and wider organization that this person did not conduct themselves in a way that was um aligned actually to probably the business and the company's values mm. and um I remember one particular situation where the, the per this person in particular got their team on a conference call at lunchtime on a Sunday to prepare 
for a meeting that was happening on the Monday, which they had forgotten to prepare for, like in the weeks leading up to this deadline until literally like a few days before. And that they had that much level of control and power around it that they basically kind of threatened is a strong word but they made them like that if you don't get on this call on a Sunday lunchtime like there's going to be big kind of repercussions to this and I remember being told the story of how this kind of situation had developed and and kind of how it had landed and and what had happened on this call and that this person was in a particular like panicked state and that there were some awful things being said some some again some unrealistic expectations being imposed some impossible deadlines which also impacted people's families and family life because it was Mm. on a weekend they had to then work for the remainder of that day and, and and into the early hours of the next day um And I remember like from that point that really like crystallized for me what type of leader I didn't want to be. Yeah. Because I was like, I would in some ways count myself as fortunate that I didn't experience that particular situation because I know I would have found that incredibly testing Mm. as these Mm. people did. But actually, it just demonstrated to me, like, that is not something I aspire. That's not something I look up to. That is not something that I would want to do. And, you know, it it, it occurs far, far too often uh, for my liking. Mm. It's, yeah, I mean, the examples I've shared in this conversation about that manager, I had exactly the same reaction to it, which was I knew what they were doing was wrong. There was that, that, that was always something that was clear to me. I never, I had enough self-awareness, enough of a moral compass, enough, I suppose, conviction in my own beliefs and capabilities to know that everything this person was doing was fundamentally wrong and wrong because of how crap it made me feel. And my general view is because I do respect myself and I do care about myself is if I feel really rubbish about something that's significant and I should listen to that and if I feel rubbish about it it's because it's not right to me so yeah. I want to not be in that environment anymore but equally if I feel that way I definitely don't want anyone else ever to feel that way so I would never behave like that so it definitely has always stayed with me as all the things you don't do is what that person did mm-hmm. now for me it's really obvious and it's also really obvious what they did that I would never repeat. So how do you best handle this situation? Because if you're listening to this now, if one of our CBeebies is listening to this, our uh, corporate bullshit bashers, which is what CBB stands for. Um, but if they're listening to this now and they're either like in this situation yeah. at the moment, which, as we've said, you know, is a horrible situation to it find yourself horrible. in. Yeah. And to think about how do I navigate my way through this now? Mm. What would some of your suggestions be about how to best handle this situation? Yeah, so look, this is a really tough one. And I think what I would always stress to everybody is you always have choices. You may think you don't, but you do. You got this job, whether that be because you left another one or you stopped your education, you finished, whatever it is, you, you took this job and that was your choice as well as the employer you can 
and always will have other choices. So I think often when we're in difficult situations in work, we can very quickly, as I said, go to a negative space and tell ourselves that we're stuck, but that is never true. So I think know that for one is that you are you do have choices. They may not look like clear ones or obvious ones at the moment, but they will exist. So it's just about taking the time to work out what they are and you are in control of that and you do have the capability to make the decision that's best for you and that is okay. So I think I would stress that as the first thing, as a starting point. I think when you're in this situation, it's really tiring, it's very draining. Every day at work can feel like an absolute slog. So I would urge you to really be clear about your boundaries in terms of when you're going to start and finish work and when you're going to take your breaks and you adhere to that and you give yourself the chance to take a break and take a rest so that you can just get some space away from the situation um really you know do something else that's not work related um whether that even is going out for a walk or doing some exercise of any kind or meeting up with a friend but just get out of it and take breaks away from the situation so that you do get a rest and so that you can also get some perspective as well because it's quite quick I think that you can become absorbed by the whole thing but actually work is just one part of your life you've got friends you've got family you've got hobbies you've got interests there's other things that make up your life and actually contribute to who you are as a person so I would urge you to get some rest because that's also where you'll do your best thinking yeah and that will help you to identify those choices um and then I think what you've really got to think about is what can you actually change like what's within your gift to change in this situation depending on your level of authority in the organization if you are in an organization even if you're the you know even if you're the business owner and this could be someone within your team um I think what you have to bear in mind is that you can't change the person So the person is who they are. They may not even be aware of what they're doing, um, in all honesty. Um, It totally depends because there's something going on for all of us in our lives. We're not all just, you know, it's that whole iceberg analogy. You only see part of the person. Um, I am an optimist. I do try to believe that everyone's got good in them, even those that are being dicks. Um, And that they may not actually... (laughs) they're either being a dick because there's shit going on for them in their lives or they're being a dick because that's just who they are and they don't realize but either way you're not going to change them and nothing you're going to say actually in that regard is likely to make a difference um all you can change is yourself and your environment you're in so I think there's two ways of looking at it look at what you can do to protect and manage yourself better in the situation or look at how you can change your environment and I know that sounds like the easier way out which is to find another job but there should be no shame in quitting um it's not about giving up it's about doing the right thing for you yeah your success your well-being your you know and and to be honest whenever I've encountered toxic bosses in my history that's exactly what I've done I've looked at what is the immediate that I can do to manage myself to get through this and get through this with some form of like you know mental stability and confidence still intact and I will say that like taking control of the situation for yourself is the first step in feeling confident about yourself I would add so it does one does help to fulfill the other um and I have changed my job 
Now, that doesn't mean I've changed companies because I've had the benefit of working in large corporates, but I've moved around. I've moved departments because I've conceded that I can't change that person. So I'm not going to try. That's not where my energy is best placed. Um, that's my that's probably my top tips in this scenario. <laughs> Yeah. And it's hard because we don't want to like downplay how how challenging it is. But I do think like your gut instinct and following that your gut instinct in the first um way is is really, really important because if your gut's telling you there's something here that's not right, this is not good for you, this is not supporting you, this is not good for your well-being, you know, really encourage you to kind of trust your gut yeah. in that respect and you know, start to keep your distance and set some of those boundaries. The other thing I would say in my experience of um, kind of being in this situation as well is if you can, like, try and stay firm and stay professional with that person. So just to bring that to life a little bit more, what I mean by that is um, I found when people have, you know, certain traits of toxicity, they can be quite generic sometimes with things that they say to you or statements that they make, like this isn't good enough. This is like this piece of work is not great or, you know, very generic sometimes in the language that they may use with you or a bit vague. And um, because you're kind of stuck in the moment of being like oh I knew this was going to happen or this now makes me feel horrible or okay like how do I fix it how do I make it better don't actually necessarily know sometimes like what it is that isn't working for that person like for that particular person in terms of what you've done or the work that you've produced so one of the things I would say is like try not to let them be vague try not to let them be general with you and if you can and have the courage within you to just stay firm, stay professional, but just ask, okay, so what do you mean by that? Or can you just give me a bit more information on what you're looking for? Because I have found actually when you don't necessarily like argue, not arguing back, but you're just asking for more information to understand, people who are perhaps in this place of toxicity, actually then when they try to explain it, they often can't because they're just making statements to try and make you feel mm. a certain way. Mm. And when you try and like scrape that back to what does that actually mean? Like what are you actually saying here to help me understand? You'll start to realize that there's often not a lot of substance behind it. Mm. And in some ways that certainly made me feel better about mm. the situation because I could start to see that mm. it was unraveling when you kind of start to kind of um I suppose like unpick it a little bit so if you can I think stay firm stay professional but try and don't let them get away with that vagueness or that yeah. generalization yeah. when it come when it crops up I think that comes into that space of control and trying to take that back for yourself and yeah. recognize that actually in these scenarios it's often that you feel the opposite and that this person is the authoritative individual and has all the power I suppose the obvious thing neither of us have said is to call it out mm. now it's not because I don't think you should challenge things that are not right I think that is um are going to be one that is going to be different for every individual depending on what role you're in and your circumstances and equally that of the individual who this refers to because 
I think by all means, if you believe you're in a position where you have the um, ability to give feedback around this individual and know that it's going to be heard, it's going to be listened to, and that you can have a positive influence to change it, do it. I would never hesitate. But I know that isn't going to be true for everybody in these scenarios. And I do think when we're talking about this topic, we are focusing it in on the self. So I'm going to say you be selfish because if you don't feel that you're in a space where you can give that challenge and offer that feedback and feel that you are going to be supported and protected, then I understand you may not want to do it. Um, Mm. I know in my personal circumstances, I've always done a combination of all of these things. So I have told people or a person who I trusted when these situations have occurred to me but I've then also taken the control and done what I've done to move myself away from it because that is has always been the better solution overall rather than to just sit there and moan about a person Mm, yeah (laughs) Um, but I've never left it unsaid so that is one thing I will say I'm not saying you should ignore these things when they're happening because actually by speaking out you are helping other people who may not feel strong enough to do so but I do think that's going to have to be a personal decision that anyone who's listening if you're in this situation you make yeah not something I'm going to push you to say you have to do that absolutely So it's back, everybody. We have a new set of bullshit bingos for season six. So for those of you who are listening to us for the very first time, welcome. Thank you for being here. Really appreciate it. But so this part of our show is where we call out bullshit phrases, which get commonly used in the workplace, specifically more in corporate probably than anywhere else, which fundamentally just make Susie and I want to puke. So our bullshit bingo for today's episode has actually come from one of our followers on LinkedIn. Thank you very much, follower. And it is breaking down silos. <laughs> so, Suze, kick us off for this season. What do you think of this one? This is a good one, actually. I've used this. I um, I've used it. Yeah, this is a very common one, isn't it? Where Basically, this refers to not working in isolation. So like communicating, uh, breaking down any invisible barriers, invisible walls that may be there, mainly within teams, I found. like yeah. So when you need to be better collaborating as a kind of... Yeah, yeah. working together. Stop Everyone stop running yeah. off in different directions, doing their own thing. Yeah. So instead of just saying like, yeah, don't run off and do your own thing, everyone needs to work together. together. Work together. We like to use the old breaking down. We need to break down some silos. Yeah, we need to break down silos. Now, silo in this sense, then, I mean, where did this one come from? Because why am I thinking of silo in reference to some sort of like grain store? That's a silo as well, isn't it? Silo as well. Isn't a silo a grain store on a farm? Oh, you've lost me here. These outdoor stories and references, I you've lost me on this one. I'm sorry. Right. Like there's I'm been a lot Google of them it. today's episode. I'm yeah. I'm probably not your best port of call. Yeah. It is a tall tower or pit on a farm used to store grain. 
Well, oh, did you also know it's an underground chamber in which a guided missile is kept ready for firing? I did not know. So actually, silo can be a noun, which is what those two things are, or a verb. So in the verb sense, isolate is what it means, like we've just talked about. One system, process, department, etc. from others, isolate from others, siloed, which is what we're talking about. Well, interesting. The coaching cast is full of interesting facts and discussions, this being one of them. Oh, uh, you now know well, what a silo yeah, is. Yeah. Although, actually, I think the link here is, you know, from the old uh, perspective of silo on a farm, a store grain, a uh, store grain, a grain store. Well, I keep getting this. I keep, honestly, my brain's not working properly. Um, if you think about it, it's used to separate the grain and keep it in good nick. Zooted of air and things. So actually, that's an isolation in itself. Anyway, I digress, as usual. So, listeners, if you have a bullshit bingo, maybe one that is as complicated in its meaning as this one is, please do send it through to Susie and I. You can email us at hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk or, as this one has come through to us, you can also find Susie and I separately on LinkedIn by searching for our names. Um, And you can message us there if you wish or via Instagram, through our Instagram page. We are coming to the end of today's episode where we discussed managing a toxic boss. Our top tips and recommendations from today's episode are number one, remember you do have choices. It might not feel like that at the time or in the moment, but you absolutely do. So try and keep that at the forefront of your mind. Number two, define the boundaries to secure yourself some rest and perspective if you can. So whether that's taking a quick comfort break, a a walk on your lunch break, whatever it might be, just try and create some space for yourself so you can just reset and gain some perspective on the situation. Number three, Stay firm, stay professional, and if you can, understand and challenge just to find out a bit more about what perhaps that person means by what they're saying to you and get a bit more detail behind it. So if you can, don't let them get away with being vague or generic. And finally, change your actions or the space. So if you can, call it out. Try and create that environment where you can change the outcome and really face into it if you are feeling like that's something that you can do. We also have some self-coaching questions which you can ask yourself. They are, number one, what is it that makes this particular relationship draining for you? Number two, what would be a good way of expressing your difficulties to the person concerned? And number three, what are you doing to ensure you spend valuable time with the people who bring out the best in you? Don't worry if you can't remember all of these. All of our top tips and self-coaching questions will be on our Instagram page at The Coaching Cast this week. We really hope you enjoyed today and have some new ideas to take away and try for yourselves. If you have any thoughts, questions or feedback, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us in three ways. 
on email at hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk, on Instagram at thecoachingcast. And finally, you can contact us through our website, which is www.thecoachingcast.co.uk. This is also where you will find all of our previous episodes from each of the last five seasons, our top tip documents, and also information about all the guests that have joined us here on The Coaching Cast. Your support helps more than you know. So if you like what you've heard today and would like to help us grow this podcast, please do us a favor, leave us a review on the Apple Podcast app. You have no idea how important these are. We're still talking about them because they are so important. Yeah. Hit subscribe wherever you listen and give us a follow on Instagram at The Coaching Cast. And don't forget, you can also watch each episode on our YouTube channel by searching for The Coaching Cast. We both love music and use it to motivate and energize us. So we like to finish each episode with our personal song recommendation, giving you positivity and energy as you launch into your next meeting. It's my choice this week, and I have chosen Alton John and Britney Spears' Hold Me Closer. It is such a tune, and I love Britney Spears, obvs, because I'm a 90s child. <laughs> I love this song. It's really good. It's, it's a, really a really good, good like, remix. remix. Yeah, good yes. remix of this track. I love it. I saw oh. an Alton John impersonator recently oh. in my hometown in Kent, and... When he sang this song, I did say to my my old family members I was with, Britney might come out or a Britney impersonator. Sadly, neither happened. My goodness, that would be amazing. I would, would absolutely love to that. <laughs> anyway, I love this tune. So go and check it out uh, now. We'll give you some positivity and vibes as you head into your next meeting or uh, project or task, whatever is on that to-do list yeah. uh, for the day. Thank you so much for listening this week. And remember, you've got this.